so awesome to be here with you again. My name is Pastor Todd, along with my wife, Jan. We are the lead pastors here at Eastside City Church, and we are so glad that you are here with us today. Now, who is ready for spring to get here? You've had enough of that white stuff flying around, floating around. You know, I've lived here for almost 24 years, and this was by far the worst year of snow that I can remember. I'm, I'm sure there could have been another year that was pretty bad, but that, that, that has been the worst. In fact, yesterday I got stuck trying to get out of my own driveway. I mean, I literally was like, oh, this isn't cool. This isn't fun. Well, again, I believe we're going to see things begin to change here pretty quickly. And again, I want to remind you, don't forget that next week is Time Change Sunday. This is the bad one. This is the one where you lose the hour of sleep, uh, where you, you, you know, if you come here at 12, 13, it'll actually be 1.13 if you forget to set your clocks ahead. So I just want to remind you to write a note, tie a string around your finger, do whatever you need to do in order to remember that, because we don't want anybody going, uh-oh, <laughs> this is kind of awkward. Um, anyways, well, today we are going to be concluding our series called Deeper Connections. Now, I'm sure for some, I'm sure for some, I know like for my wife, she's like having a little sigh of relief, like, are you finally going to quit talking about sex, Pastor? Are you finally, honey, uh, uh, it's kind of making me a little bit nervous, uncomfortable. She's like, I'm not sure what you're going to say. Well, I'm, and I know for others that some of you are probably like, oh man, this has really been a good discussion. We know that it has impacted you because we have seen in our media, in our, our podcasting, our hits have like quadrupled over the last few weeks. And so again, I want to say this. If you're like, what are you talking about, Pastor Todd? We, here, here's what my belief is. God wants your marriage to be great both inside and outside of the bedroom. God has good things for us. He was the designer of sex. But we need to do things his way according to his purposes. And I believe I shared some truth. And I hope I've done it in a way that was encouraging, inspiring. It was still tactful, tasteful, and, and it was a blessing to you. Because I'll tell you what, I believe that as the church community, that we need to be willing to talk about things that everybody else is already talking about anyways. You know, you turn on the TV. You go to a movie you go, your kids are in the locker room at school. Wherever you go, people are talking about these things. And I believe as disciples, as followers of Jesus Christ, that our job is not to be followers, but we're called to be leaders. That we're called to be the ones who say, you know what, this is what God says about that. Well, today we're going to conclude this series with not only an emphasis on marriage. In fact, I'm probably going to shift things a little bit. Today, we're going to talk for those of you that are single, that one day want to get married. Who would like to get married someday? Uh, you can raise your, maybe you don't want to raise your hand. Maybe you're like, I don't want to look desperate here. I don't want to be like that. But you know, deep down in your heart, you're learning, yes, one day I want to have somebody to spend the rest of my life with. And so we're going to talk about how do you navigate the crazy world of dating um, and relating. Uh, but we're going to look at the role also that we play as a church community in maintaining healthy relationships, both inside and outside of the bedroom. Now, this message today will not 
be quite as explicit maybe as the last few weeks. Now, you're probably not going to believe me when I give you the title of my message. Here's the title of my message. Are you ready? It's called, Do You Have Protection? Now, some of you are like, well, that just sounds really risque, Pastor Todd. Well, maybe it is a little bit. But my question is, is how do you safeguard your relationships? How do you walk in purity and discover God's best for your life? Now, I believe this, and I hope hope that you agree with me today. I don't believe God just wants to give you an okay life. I don't believe that God's plan for you is to be like, you know, I was almost quite good. But that God's desire, if we were to raise our hands, we would say, you know what, I want what God has that's best for me. I want God's best. Who here would agree with me and say amen to that? I want God's best for me. Now, how do we get his best? (laughs) Well, I remember a few years ago I was traveling to the Philippines, and on my way back I got to stop in Hong Kong. What a beautiful city, what an awesome place to go. It's called the Manhattan of the Orient. If you've never been there, the skyscrapers are ginormous. They make Calgary look like we just have little teepees out on the thing. It's, they're, they're, it's huge in Hong Kong, and there's lots of people everywhere. But one of the fun things that you can do if you're into this is go to the night market. And the night market, you can find anything. They will sell anything. And it's a place where you can barter for things. And I remember I was walking through the night market, and all of a sudden I noticed the Swiss Army watch. I'd, I'd had my eye on it, and I was like, oh, I want one of those. They're so cool. I wonder how much it is. And so I'm not going to go into Hong Kong dollars, but it was, they, they, so the first person said, $50 Canadian for that watch. I was like, Wow, that's like a $200 watch. That is an awesome deal. I, I, man, that, that sounds pretty good. And, and, but then I noticed that the shop across the way, they also had a Swiss Army watch. And so I started to, to head over to that shop. And all of a sudden, the person was like, $25. I was like, wow, this is kind of cool. I wonder how we can do this. And, and, and we began to talk, and eventually it was $15. Well, I left paying $10 Canadian for that watch. And I was like, man, I got a smoking deal on this watch. And, and so I remember I, w- I started to wear it. It was beautiful. It was gorgeous. Well, about two months later, I noticed something. My arm was turning green. <laughs> something wasn't right with this watch. Now, I, I should have known. You don't get a $200 watch for 10 bucks. But I thought I had gotten the steal of the century. And here's the idea. Here's what I want to talk about here today. That, that, that when it comes to our relationships, you don't want something that's cheap. You don't want something that isn't good. You want what's best. And so how do we safeguard our relationships and, and live with God's best? Well, here's what we're going to do. I want you to turn with me, if you would, to Genesis chapter 4. And we're going to look at a scripture here that I believe is going to set the stage for what we're going to talk about here today. In Genesis 4, now I told you this, this, this conversation today wasn't going to be risque. You're not going to believe me when I, the first line of Genesis chapter 4 verse 1, it says, and Adam made love to his wife Eve. All right, on. And she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. She said, with the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a man. And later she gave birth to his brother Abel. Now Abel 
kept flocks, and Cain worked the soil. And in the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions, from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry, and his face was downcast. Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you so angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Now Cain said to his brother Abel, come on, brother, let's go out into the field. And while they're in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is your brother Abel? I don't know, he replied. Am I my brother's keeper? You know, one of the things that I believe that being a parent is an incredibly wonderful thing. Kids teach us a lot of things. Kids help us grow and mature in our life. But one of the things that we know about kids is that that, that there's some challenges that they face. And one of the challenges that they face is learning how to take responsibility. Who here would say that's part of growth and maturity, becoming responsible? You know, I don't know if you've ever had this happen before, but this is a real life experience that I had. My son came home the other day. I wasn't going to say my son. I was going to say a kid. You'd have to guess, but uh, cat's out of the bag. And he came home from school. And I remember we were looking through his gym bag, and his pants were missing. His school pants were missing. And, we, and I don't know if you've ever had that happen to you. Probably not. But you, what really drives me crazy is what happened next. Now, I think this is a universal truth that we have to deal with our kids. And so I said to my son, where are your pants? And he said, I don't know. You know, the, the, the universal, I don't know what happened, like, you know, who ate all of the cookies? I don't know. Why is your mom's lamp broken? I don't know. Um, where is your math textbook that we've been asking you for for two weeks? There you know. We, we all know. We've heard our kids say that, haven't we? You're asking, and, and you, you, you have a pretty good idea what happened, but you just want them to recognize that they're responsible, and they go, I don't know. You know, when I get to heaven, I think it'll be interesting to say, God, can you put on that, that, that tape, whatever that whatever media thing is. I want to see what happened to all those lost items those broken utensils, and where did those stains come from on the floor? I I think it'll be interesting. But as of right now, it's I don't know. I don't know has a a lot of things. You see, the reality is that they're lacking responsibility. So here, coming back to this story, we look at the story of Cain and Abel. These are the first two brothers that are mentioned in the Bible. Cain was a farmer, Abel was a rancher. Both gave an offering to God. That's what this story is about. Now, God was pleased with Abel's offering, but not with Cain's. And we'll talk more about this part of it in a few weeks because we're going to, beginning next week, uh, 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 talk about generosity and how God, I believe, wants to bless you and encourage you in every part of your life. So we'll talk more about this later. That's not the point of my message today. But what we know is that 
Cain became very angry at God and jealous of his brother, so jealous that he murdered him. Now we know this, that when God showed up, it wasn't like all of a sudden God was like, man, I wonder what happened here. God already knew what happened. He already knew what was going on, but yet he still went to Cain and he said, Cain, what happened to your brother? Where's your brother? And what did Cain say? I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? You see, his answer was an abdication of responsibility. He was really saying, look, I'm not responsible for him. I couldn't control myself. When the reality of the situation, he was fully responsible for the fact that his brother was no longer living, was no longer breathing. It was solely on him. And it was a self-focused attitude that he had, a, a cavalier attitude that he had towards his family. And now his deceased brother, like somehow because he was upset, he was angry, it was okay what he did, and it wasn't that important. And you know what ended up happening to him because of his actions and his attitude. He was removed from his family and his protective covering. You see, today I ask, do you have protection The reality is this. Here's the truth that we're going to focus on today. That we are responsible for one another. We are responsible to help each other become everything who God called us to be. That our actions impact each other's life. That we don't live in a vacuum. That we don't live in a place that, that what I do, even in my own private time, doesn't affect you. You see, when you have this revelation, it will change the way that you look at things, even certain areas of sin that maybe you don't think are that big of a deal because that's what the enemy tries to tell people. In fact, one of the great lies out there in the world that people are trying to talk about that my life is my life and your life is your life and what I do doesn't matter. Don't bother us because what we do is none of your business. And you know, in the reality, because God gives us choice, we we can choose to live how we want to. We can choose to do things our own way. We can choose to, to reject the people that God has placed around us, but we pay consequences for that. Because our community, the community, the church, what we're called to be, provides protection. As a Christ a Christ follower, best experience is what God has for them in community. You see, you cannot experience true freedom without embracing responsibility. (laughs) I tell my kids that all the time. They're like, Dad, I want to stay up later. And I'm like, good, you're going to have to get up earlier by yourself. Oh, yeah. See, when you don't get up the next day, what you're telling me, you can't handle that freedom. There might be some young people here that are like, oh, you see, if you want more freedom, you got to show your parents that you're more responsible. Because there isn't anybody getting me up out of bed. I have to get myself out of bed. I have to get to work. I have to do those things. I have to take responsibility. But here's the reality, that we understand that the importance of community was something that was very important to God because it started with family in Genesis. And then when we get into Moses, we see as the nation of Israel was being formed, that 
One man's actions could bring harm to an entire community. Do you remember those stories? They're out warfaring, and they, after they took Jericho, they were told, don't, don't grab anything that you shouldn't. And Achan grabbed some of the gold and the idols and some clothes and hid them under his, his tent. And what ended up happening to the army the next time they went to battle? They got defeated. His action impacted the whole nation. We don't like to think about things that way. You see, blessings could be denied because of somebody else's poor choices. And and, and in their culture, community was to be protected over the rights and personal choices of an individual. Now some of you are like, I don't really like what you're talking about, Pastor Tuck. You see, our societal values are so much different in North America. We celebrate the individual. You are amazing. We live in the era of individual freedom. And I said this already, my life is my life and your life is your life. And you can't tell me what to do. And we protect the needs of the individual at the expense of our community, our nation. Now, I'm not saying that you're not important. I'm not saying that you're not valuable. I'm not saying that, you are not, you're, that you're not unique, but I want to talk to you today about the value and the protection that comes when we walk together in community. You see, we're designed to live in community. Again, when God created the heavens and the earth and he made all the animals and the plants and man in the garden, and the only thing that he said wasn't good was for man to be alone. He knew that we needed a helpmate. And eventually knew we would need family and eventually a greater community. I believe our relationships are strengthened through community. The key to health is to understand the importance of connecting and submitting our lives one to another in a Jesus-centered community called the church. Because we are our brother's keeper. We are our sister's keeper. We are our children's keeper. We are our husband's keeper. We are our wife's keeper. We're called to be connected and in relationship with each other. God designed community for our protection and blessing. So how does this relate to dating and relationships? Well, I'm glad you asked. Thank you for asking me that question today. Because I believe that we are living in some crazy times. I'm glad I'm not single today. It is crazy out there. There are so many things trying to grab people's attention. There's so many things trying to pull young people into thinking, you know what, you're the only people in the world. You can do whatever you want. And I'm here to tell you that that's not right. We need safeguards. And God says, here's how what I provided in community for you. And I want to help some of you to say, how do I find Mr. or Mrs. Right? Because I believe God has somebody for each and every person. First of all, it's called partnership with parents. Ding! Did you just say parents? I believe it's the most valuable relationship available if God has has allowed you to have good parents. You see, I understand there are people that come from broken homes. I understand there are people that come from messed up 
situation. I'm going to talk about that in a minute. But I'm going to say that your, your parents, the people that God has given you, let's start there. Can we start there just for a moment? You see, the idea that God has is they're called to be your allies and not your enemies. Because they have a great desire to see you experience the best things in your life. Who as a parent wants your kids to experience bad things? Don't raise raising your hand too soon. <laughs> we don't want to do that. We want them to experience good things, don't we? We want them to experience a great, healthy life. We want our kids to get married to, and have the best relationship they can have. almost said something else, but I told you it was going to be PG-13 today. We want them to have the best things. I've told my kids, I've told my kids, I said, look, if you will partner with me, if you'll stay open with me, I will be there. I'm going to protect you. I'll help you. If you get into something that isn't good, I can step in because we have that relationship to do that. And I did that a couple years ago. There was a young man that did something, some things that were inappropriate towards my daughter. My daughter came because she could have kept it to herself and said, Dad, here's what happened. And I said, all right, honey, Daddy's going to be here for you. And I had a little discussion with this young man. And by the end of our discussion, he was saying, yes, Lord. <laughs> and he wasn't talking about Jesus. <laughs> because she under he understood something that that girl, that little girl, that she was very precious to me. She was very precious to God and that there was somebody that cared about her way more than he did. And I was able to help her deal with something and she's healthy. He's healthy. God used it to touch this young man. I didn't try to shame him, but I dealt with it. Now some of you are like in our same pastor, I don't I, I don't have a parent that's like that. Things aren't healthy. I believe that some of you, God, some of you, your kids are all grown up. But God still has great need of you in the kingdom of God. There are single people. There are young adults. There are teenagers. There are those that are even a little bit older that maybe have gone through some hardship of life. You know what? They, they need some people to say, here, I'm going to walk with you. We need some spiritual fathers and mothers to rise up in this day and age. And I believe some of you, God is going to call you into this place. There's an advantage of being a multi-generational church. There's a lot of options here. And I say this, God, would you do something where everybody has somebody that is, that is there to encourage them and strengthen them and mentor them? We need to build parental partnerships. And I say this, young person, lean on their wisdom. Seek their guidance. Ask for their blessing. Because it will only benefit you. Number two in community, this one's going to go a little bit deeper. God's given you pastors and leaders. I say this, don't discount spiritual authority. Don't write it off. And I, and I understand there, there have been pastors and leaders, I've experienced it even in my own life, that were self-serving, self-seeking. And, and some people here, you've been hurt by a leader in your life. And I understand it's very painful. And if I could, I would just come and say, on behalf of any leader, would you please forgive us? 
But there's something God wants to do. There's something he wants to, to build to, to understand that, that there are things that, that God can give to you because, that, that, he wants to, that he wants you to tap into. Because I know this when it comes to me as a human being. I'm not any different than you in that I put on my pants one leg at a time. I'm not anything extra special as a person. But who here knows that God has put an anointing on my life. He's given me a grace as a pastor. And that, if you, that, that you can tap into that, that grace. In fact, there's a scripture in the Bible that says that if you receive a prophet in the name of a prophet, you'll receive a prophet's reward. What he's saying is you can tap into that grace. You can receive that blessing. And I believe that God has given grace to our lay pastors, our staff pastors, our small group leaders. Whatever your role is, it's apparent. There's a, a grace on your life. And our call is to lead, not to dictate to people. We need to understand that. Our motive should be to help people hear God's voice for themselves. You see, that's what a good leader is doing, that, that as you grow and you mature, you learn to hear God's voice for yourself, and that we're here to help people avoid the dangers that are out there. You see, there's two sides of the coin. I believe that as you get older and more mature, that one of the ways that you know that you're becoming more mature in your faith is that you're able to hear God's voice for yourself. But the other side of the coin is this, and you need to listen to this because some people neglect this part that maturity is also understanding that he will many times speak to you through other people, especially leaders, and you need both of these things working. Think about Samuel. I think about Samuel. When, when God was speaking to him, where did he run? Kept going to Eli. God was saying, Samuel, Samuel, but he kept running to Eli. Why? Because God's voice sounded like Eli's voice to him. I'll let you chew on that. Don't discount leadership, but make your own choices. Be responsible. How about peers? In community, we have friends you know, you should ask yourself, if you're dating somebody or if you're in a courtship relationship, whatever it is, wherever you're at, you should ask yourself, does this relationship enhance my friendships or does it weaken them? I believe this, that when things are healthy, it brings strength into your life. One of the litmus tests that you can, believe, you can understand. You see, a relationship, a healthy relationship shouldn't be exclusive, it should be inclusive. And one of the ways that I can tell when couples are immature is when all of a sudden it's like, all of a sudden their whole world becomes only about us. And, it's, and, and, and couples get this attitude like, we're different than everybody else. We're going to fight against the world and we're going to win. We don't need other people. And so they begin to pull away from their friends and people that they need to have a part of their life. I say this, young lady, if you've got a, a young man that's telling you that you don't need your friends, that you need only him, that you need to just spend time with him, you need to drop that dude. Because he ain't healthy. 
Young man, if you got a young lady that's just like, you know, just is always like you, you manipulating you and telling you that you don't spend enough time with her, and you, you know, when you go to hang out with your buddies, that you're doing something wrong and all that, I'm saying, get rid of her. It isn't healthy, and it will never be healthy. Healthy relationships bring us together. We need good friends. You see, the enemy wants to separate us from community. That's how he gets us. And we need good friends because who here knows that love truly can be blind? When you're like riding that, that, the, the rainbow and you're just like, whoa, it is so good, it is so awesome. And all of a sudden, it's like, well, there's maybe something. If you got the right friends, they're going to be like, you know what? Something's a little bit off. It always amazes me when people are like, you know, the, the, the relationship ends, they break up, and they're like, how come you never told me you were such a jerk? Because you wouldn't listen. Have healthy relationships. Be accountable with friends who have a strong relationship with God. Let them speak into your life. Lastly, we want to pray. We want to have prayer be a foundational part of our protection. You should be praying for God's wisdom over your life. Pray for your future mate every day. If you're, you're believing God wants to, to connect you in that, pray for a future mate, but also pray that your heart won't be deceived. You should ask yourself when you're in a relationship, do I have peace? Am I making compromises Am I not doing the right things? Pray your heart will not deceive you. And pray with others about your relationship. Now, did you notice that I didn't say pray with your boyfriend? I'm going to talk about this because prayer builds great intimacy. And you've got to be careful who you pray alone with. Now, when you're married, things change. You see, I believe this, that there is great benefit for prayer with couples. And it's, but here's what I know. Here's what I've experienced in my own life. The most difficult person in the world for me to pray with is my wife. I know you guys are like, you're our pastor. You're supposed to be really spiritual. You're supposed to have it way more together than we do. Well, I... I, I I hope things are getting better there, but it can be challenging. I, I've shared this. It's amazing how, how we could even be like, you know, um, you know what, honey, we should pray. And she's like, yeah, you're right. All right, good night. <laughs> Why is that? Well, we got to understand that there's some benefit. I'm going to talk about that in a second, but there's great benefits as married couples to praying together. I believe this will safeguard your relationship. Listen to this. It says this. One of the benefits of praying together is it strengthens the bond of marriage. Now, there's a statement that says that couples who pray together stay together. Here's Gallup poll. This is a big research group out of the U.S. It says that the divorce rate among couples who attend church together is one out of every two marriages will end in divorce which is exactly the same rate of those who don't go to church. So what it's saying is going to church all by itself is not going to necessarily change your relationship. I believe there's still benefits, and some of you are like, good, now I don't have to go to church. Thanks for clarifying that. 
But listen to this. This is going to blow your mind. This blew my mind. I literally fell off my chair. Listen to this. The divorce rate among couples who pray together daily, one in 1,153. That should grab all of our attention. I know I was like, Jan, we got to pray right now. I know you're having a shower, but we're going to pray right now. The second part of prayer is that it encourages unity. Uh, I get this, and a lot of times I, I talk about this in relationships. I think because I've thought about something enough that somehow my wife knows what I thought, that by thinking I've actually talked to her, that somehow by ESP, Jedi mind tricks, she's got it. But the reality is a lot of times we struggle with communication. Did you know that, that when you pray together, it really lets your partner know some of the things that you're thinking about? It helps them to know what, what, what's going on in your life. And, and it allows you to be of the same mind, of the same heart, of the same purpose. It allows us to support each other and it brings unity. I also realize this, do you do you, you probably believe this like I do, that it's incredibly almost impossible to pray for somebody when you're mad at them. Oh God, I just pray your blessings. But if they happen to drink the poison, it'll be okay. No. When, we're, when we really are praying God's best for people, it's, it, it, bring, it helps bring you into a place of focus and unity. It promotes personal or emotional intimacy. It gives us a view into our partner's heart. It helps us build deeper connection. And when we start this, started this series, I shared, we are meant to connect with our spouse on an emotional, physical, and spiritual level. I believe there are some men and women out here in your relationship, you're starving spiritually. And I want to encourage you, God wants to help you. You see, because prayer helps us keep God in our relationship. It reminds us of our need for God. It keeps him at the center. But I know that there are definitely challenges. You see, it's common for couples to struggle. We have busy schedules. Some of you are night owls where your spouse is a morning person. It just seems like when you're ready to talk, they've already gone to bed. Or when you want to pray, they want to sleep in. So we have to deal with our schedules. We have to work against that. But we also can feel intimidation. Well, what if my, I don't sound really spiritual. Oh, Lord Jesus, creators of the heavens and the earth. You know, sometimes we think we have to have these flowery, amazing prayers I think there's a scripture in Matthew where it says that we're, we're not to pray like Pharisees. We're just to pray from our heart. Simple, direct prayers. But I understand that when you pray with somebody, that it's, it, it, it's actually easier sometimes to be physically naked than it is when you pray to be spiritually naked. Because that's what it can feel like. So we have to work through that and have to understand that there's an unseen battle because not only is it us that struggle with it, there's a real enemy out here that, that the enemy of our soul does not want you and your husband or wife to pray together because he knows there's great power when you come together. 
He knows that there's great strength, that he's in trouble when husbands and wife pray together. You know the scripture that says when two or three are gathered in my name, that I will answer. He says, I will, I will answer your prayers. You see, who are the two or the three? Well, it's you, your spouse, and the Holy Spirit. And it's like the difference between fighting him with a burst of a sparkler or lightning. There's power when we come together. So where do you start? Well, if this isn't something you're comfortable with, set a time. Say, we're going to try to do this each and every day. Or we're going to try it two times this week. Ease into it. Don't say, you know what, when we pray, we need to pray for one hour. How about you just start with one minute? And some people are like, Pastor Todd, that is not very spiritual. Well, yeah, it is, because if you're doing nothing and now you add something, you are improving in your life. And that's what being a follower of Jesus is all about. Don't let any religious people try to tell you differently. You just grow where you're at. Keep it simple. You don't need to get into your deepest, darkest secrets. Either. Pray for some simple things, things you can agree on. God, help us be good parents. Help us with our children. Help us do this, and eventually God will open up more of your heart. It's just a natural progression when you pray. Well, I'm going to invite Margo to come up here because I want to pray today. I'm believing God today that God's desire is that we, he would understand that do you have protection? We need the protection that it comes from community. It comes from parents. It comes from our spouses. It comes from our peers. It comes from our, our brothers and sisters in God that together, together, we can help people experience the full measure of what God has for them.